Yeah. Ah. It's good, Branch. Back at it. The professor. <laughs> Again, so listen, we've been talking about this thing, worldliness. We've been talking about lost things, things that we believe the culture has somehow lost. And one of the main reasons we think that is is because we've been given to worldliness, even though it's rare to hear anybody say that. But there's something, something else that I think fits under that, that worldliness thing. And it's this idea that God does what he does through celebrity and power and fame like matter of fact we prefer that even though we watch the scriptures tell us over and over again that God will use the weak to confound the strong you just you don't hear that much like I think the world has tried to show us what success looks like and in some ways we have maybe gobbled that up so I want to hear your take on it. I know we talk about this, or we've talked about this over the years. When I think about this theme of worldliness, which we were talking about, falls really under our broader theme of lost things, things mm -hmm. that seem to have sort of um, fallen out of favor. It's not, you don't hear it as, regular, as, you, as regularly as you used to. Worldliness seems to be this deference, this fawning deference to the world, uh, to that system and that structure of humanity, which actually leaves God out, doesn't leave religion out, but leaves God out, uh, doesn't even leave theism out often. So there is that, there's some atheism out there, but even those who believe that there is a God up there, so we were talking about a deism, a God exists, but it's not his will and his way that we are consumed with, that we center around, um, and that's what worldliness is. Worldliness is a friendship with that, with that which would leave God out, that which would leave Jesus Christ in particular out because there are those who would leave Jesus alone but think that they have the Father. Scripture says, if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. If you don't have the Father, you don't have the Son. And that whole thing shows itself up in the way God's people find themselves attracted to the powerful, attracted to the celebrity, and it's the powerful and the celebrity that actually have made their choice to bank on their power and their celebrity and not on the strength that God provides those whose heart are bent toward him. So what this does is it makes me jump straight to James. You know that James is more than likely the earliest New Testament literature, hmm. piece of literature that we have. So it predates the Gospels. Uh, it even predates the Pauline literature. James gives you insight into what the first community of faith, the types of things the first community of faith wrestled with, dealt with. 
And at that time, Christianity had not become popular. Christianity did not share the favor of Judaism and it didn't share the favor of the religions of Rome. So you're talking about this little misfit community, you know, mm -hmm. they're Jews, but they're not just Jews. They're Jews who had found Messiah to be what the Jewish faith was was pointing to, was fulfilled in him. But they were, again, not in favor with one or the other. So they were often weak. They were often um, low on the social scale. There were many who were poor, similar to what Paul said about the Corinthians. Consider yourselves, not many of you noble, not many of you wise, uh, not many of you strong. And so uh, James gives us what it was like for that community. That community was plagued by trials. They were plagued by weakness. They were plagued by disadvantage. They were, they, and you know that because it starts off where he talks and addresses his letter to those who are scattered, those who are part of the diaspora. Uh, theologians would believe that that's not just Jews who didn't live in Palestine proper, though that is true. It was also the spiritual state of people who found themselves as aliens, visitors playing on the world stage. The world is the home team. If you're on the world's team, things go well for you. If you're on the world's team, you hear the applause. You're on the world's team, things seem to go your way. Uh, but the believer, whether it's the believer who's part of the actual diaspora, the literal diaspora, or it's the believer who feels like an alien, a stranger in this land because this world is not his home, uh, that's who the letter is written to. Well, what's the first thing he has to say? Count it joy when you experience various trials. Various trials, all manner of disadvantages, all manner of hardships, all manner of things not going your way. Count it joy because these things are working in you. They're working something in you. Mm -hmm. Then he goes, he, he jumps right down into, uh, and if you, if, you, if you lack wisdom, ask. God gives it liberally. What's mm -hmm. wisdom? Mm -hmm. Wisdom is a divine perspective to help you interpret your earthly circumstances. It's heaven's view to help you understand earth rightly. It helps you to understand, again, your, uh, your treasure right. It helps you to judge things rightly. Well, it's not long before we see in chapter two that he has to tell them that there's something called the sin of partiality. What is the sin of partiality? It's when you see somebody from the door and he says a man comes in with fine clothing and a gold ring and you usher him to the best seat in the house. Mm -hmm. But then somebody else comes in, just a man with the shabby clothing and you say, sit over there or sit at my feet. And so he says, aren't you not evil? You're judging with evil intentions. He says it's evil for you to examine someone who looks like they don't have much to offer and demote them and see somebody who has it going on and exalt them because he just told you according to divine wisdom, it's flipped. Hmm. Well, already early on, that's what you're seeing. Then you get to chapter four and chapter four says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? So if you do a study on James, what you see is early on, their humble circumstances, the trials, the fact that they were often the low men on the totem pole, the body of Christ, they, it would cause them to think, how could I change this? Who could, who could change my fortune? Who could boost my state? I know people with the gold ring, mm -hmm. people with the good clothes, people who 
who make who do the lending, people who have the fame, people who have the ability to uh, improve my position. I say all of that to say that if that was what the early Christians were facing, the temptation to be friendly with the world because the world seems to have it going on, then that seems to be insight into what worldliness looks like today. Hmm. Well, we see it. We see it in churches, churches who are quick to bring a celebrity in, Mm -hmm. somebody who hasn't come through the ranks, somebody who hasn't been discipled just immediately. They just become this one who's he's, he's good to me. I won't I'll leave him nameless for the sake of this. But I remember looking at him exalting a celebrity and basically giving him son status almost instantly. Mm. While there were many faithful people who had served him well that never got anything endorsed to them as my son. Mm. Now, it may have been other reasons for that. But I remember saying, how did this dude get son so quickly? I remember I was on a tour one time with another person, never named Lameless because I don't want them to feel attacked, but somebody who's very, very popular. And I remember that they knew someone in the industry. And while they were on tour with us, uh, they said, hey, I'm getting ready to go do one of the popular shows and I'm getting ready to basically do an interview on a popular show. We said, oh, that's perfect. You could use that platform time to tell them that we're on tour. And so uh, they didn't want to mention us. Hmm. But they mentioned this secular person, called him Big Brother. Hey, Big Bro. And I said, man, how did this dude become your big brother when you barely know him? Hmm. But you told us that your mom raised you on our music and that it was formative in your life, yet you didn't want to mention us. You know why? Because he had the gold ring and the nice clothes, as though it were. He had the worldly esteem and we had something uh, lesser. It's these types of things that... I believe show us that the like the, the Christian community believers often feel like they need the power and they need the celebrity in order to either authenticate them or to boost them and change their position from the low, comparatively mm. speaking, to those who are exalted. It's often the, the body of Christ that the world looks down on because they do see us as having less. The, the first word of the gospel, according to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, is blessed are the poor in spirit. spirit. And the mm-hmm. poor in spirit are usually that way because their external circumstances have created a humility in them. Mm-hmm. And so they're blessed because in their lack of tangible status and esteem, they often have the humble posture enough to see their need for the one who gives them status. And it's interesting. I read a I read a book once called um, A Praying Life, Connecting with God in a Distracting World. And it was a quote from there I read that I thought was um, right in line with what you're talking about or what we've been talking about. And he the guy in his book says, He says, the only photo of him with a famous person would be with Pilate at his trial. Hmm. But then Jesus was in bad shape. The seed was beginning to die. He said, a principal source of cynicism comes from looking up at Christian leaders who have gotten Jesus's kingdom mixed up with their own. Hmm. I think that's part of our struggle And then he said, ministry itself can create a mask of performance and the projection of success. Everyone wants to be a winner. 
In contrast, Jesus never used his power to show off. He used his power for love. So he wasn't immediately noticeable. Humility makes you disappear. That's why we avoid it. Excellent. And I think a lot of times that's I think that's partly what we see. And what I think I also see people struggle with is this idea that God's just like he's not doing it the way we would want him to do it. He's not doing it according to our timetable. Anybody who knows me well knows I'm a big fan of Abraham. And so just following Abraham's story, like I think the interesting thing when God promised the son, this is the fulfillment. This is like the promise even of the seed of the coming Messiah makes this promise while Abraham and Sarah are old. And even Sarah has to like chuckle at that very idea. And so I think what enters in is really this idea, this unbelief. We don't believe that God can do and give us what we need to achieve his end. Right. Though we know there's a promise. So we believe there's a there's a promise. We understand that part. But it's waiting on that. Like he's taking too long. So we settle for our own means. We settle for our own way of figuring out. So whether that's siding with the world or locking arms in ways that we shouldn't or just envying celebrity and fame, um, whatever that means, we'll end up doing that, sleeping with the handmaid's son, in other words, only to produce Ishmael. And sometimes, just like them, we live under the delusion that we've actually achieved it, like they did. Until Like 11 years Ishmael was there until God said, that's not what I promised. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. This isn't the cast stones, but this is hopefully an encouragement and but still have to be stern and kind of look ourselves in the mirror and say, why is it that we don't trust God? Is he is he become pitiful to us? Like, does he become pitiful to us for us to have to believe that we don't have to do it that way? We don't have to violate what he's how he's told us to operate in order to make what we think his will is happen. Hmm. We'll never do it that way. We'll, you know, God's means will never be done by our own hand. Mm. You so. know, it's, it's funny that you say that, like humility makes you disappear. And that's why we avoid it. Um, because I could see someone saying to us, like, that's easy for you to say because you all had a measure of it. You had a measure of notoriety. Yeah, but how did that happen? Right. Well, that's the question. But right. they, they're thinking, so it's easy for you to say, don't seek it because you had it. We didn't seek it. God gave you're, it. You're, but you're right. So I'm going to be honest with you. You know, my life has two parts to it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there came a time when um, when God had to bring me in because through burnout and blowout, um, I veered off the track and the Lord had to sit me down for ministry. As you, you know, some people know. Um, my wife and my family, we just had to reset. We had to calibrate, recalibrate. And um, post that, my life has been radically different. Mm-hmm. Um, my relationship pool has shrunk dramatically. Um, maybe my allure, my luster from that point forward was never the same. Mm-hmm. And I know because the relationships are always past tense. People always love me for things in the past. Mm. And I remember saying to myself, why does it feel like now that the luster is gone, the relationship is gone? Mm. 
And why does it feel like the pursuit of partnership and the affection for ministry koinonia, koinonia, the Greek word meaning to share something in common, to partner with something, feels like it diminished when the worldly, again, um, trappings or the worldly success, the celebrity seemed to uh, diminish. I said, I wonder if the love I thought people had because we shared Christ in common was for me, like I thought that's what it was. I wonder if it was, you looked hot to us at that time. Hmm. You looked like the man with the fine clothes and the gold you know, ring. When, when you walked through the door, people catered to you. Your name came up. When we went to the concerts and the conferences and we went to the, the festivals, you were on that big stage. Mm. That was the draw because we're still looking for even our Christians to be substantial Christians. Again, it's that we even want our Christians to be celebrities. Right. We like we and then we want celebrities to be Christians. Sometimes we want our Christians to be more celebrity. You remember when we were doing well, we felt like we were doing fruit, you know, it was fruitful. People were like, yeah, but I can't wait till y'all really blow up. Right. As though like it's always, it's, another, it's always level. another level. And like, that's what they still I, talk about now. Now Christian hip hop gotta go to the another level. Uh, like. Yeah, another level. Sometimes we want the Christian to go up. Other times we look at those who are up and we just want to Christianize them. Right. So in other words, we want to just slap Christian on them because they're as up as we would want you to be. Right. So now it would be great if we even, there are many who argue for the Christianity of celebrities right. just because um, that is what we want. We want a Christian. Hmm. You know, and you notice that most people don't use the Lord Jesus as their primary example. So most people will go to the Old Testament where earthly and monetary mm -hmm. wealth seemed to go with faithfulness. Right. So Abraham was very rich. Job was very rich. Right. Uh, David was very rich. Right. You see, so you like the people of God that were faithful actually had a lot. And so most people spend their time using them as the model for why riches and strength and power. Again, Israel had a king and they had their own land and they were, you know, unless they were under discipline. But if you go into the New Testament, right. Paul doesn't look like a super apostle. Right. He looks like a weak apostle, right. you know, and that's why his letters give off the impression that he has to like defend his apostleship to those that are the very products of his own apostolic ministry right. because they were unimpressed with him. You, you already said that the Lord Jesus was like, well, shoot, if you're not going to be who we thought you were, hmm. you know, if you're not going to be the bread maker and right. if you're not going to be the Rome taker, mm -hmm. okay, well then, excuse me, where is the next? The, the next? Mm -hmm. And so you go back and you say, man, um, Peter, Peter talked about that he was a fellow, like he was, he was a witness of the sufferings of the Lord Jesus with the people. John said in Revelation, he says, hey, I, I join you in the tribulation. Mm -hmm. uh, in other words, even in the Bible, most of the people we esteem in their moment, they were not esteemed. They were the ones who only retroactively became esteemed. Right. They were as broken and as poor and as needy and as isolated and as marginalized as the rest of the Christian church. There wasn't a lot of, there wasn't the light of day between them. Right. You know, today this is, I mean, to each his own, but many pastors, the 
the, the where they live and the amount of money they have between them and their congregation is light years away. Mm -hmm. But the Lord Jesus could say with his people, the son of man has no place to lay his head. Mm -hmm. So you take up your cross and follow me, mm -hmm. you know, and what he requires, he modeled it for us. Mm -hmm. If suffering was for every, like for every Christian, the Lord Jesus says, I'm the supreme example of suffering. First right. Peter chapter three and four talk about the suffering of Christ as the exemplar. You see, uh, if he says, hey, you need to die, Jesus Christ can say, hey, I went to Calvary and I laid down my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't die because of me. I died to be a model and example to you as well as I died to redeem, be out of obedience to the Father. I only say this to say this demand for a more star-studded, uh, gold-encrusted, you know, faith and faith heroes mm -hmm. is what we call the worldliness it's does like it's assessing things not according to the heavenly it's assessing things according to the world i wonder what that is in us that make like it just it's a constant that you can't seem to get away with i'm thinking about you know i guess we try to think of segments where we talk about headlines and something that i constantly see in the headlines right now is it's not just that i see it in the headlines I'm also hearing the Christians, prominent Christians even chime in, you know, the Kanye and the church issue. Uh, he's holding church. From what I hear, and again, I don't know that this is true, so don't hold me to it, but somebody came to me and said, you know, Kanye is starting a church. Like there's gonna be no preaching or nothing, but just music, you know what I mean? And, uh, but I'm amazed at how many people get excited, almost like, like you said a minute ago, we can't, wait to slap the slap the Christian on Kanye. Though many of us know that part of being in the Christian faith is that we come to the end of ourselves. Like you said, we become broken. We, we reach a point where we're poverty, the poor. We are poor in spirit. And then like it's this idea of coming to our end and repenting. Right. It's this whole change of my whole Everything was going in one direction, and now, I'm, not that I'm perfect, but I do have a, a different mind. I'm going in another direction. My, I, I, am, I am soft. I am made humble and enough to, like, repent. But we often look to these celebrities, and again, like I said, we slap the, they're praising God, and God's going to get praise from anybody. But there's never any, there's never any fruit or evidence of repentance. It's the same that they were, it's the same that they are when they're praising God. And it Absolutely. seems like, and we love it that way. Right. For some reason, we, we like it like that. Right. Um, I heard somebody, one prominent gospel artist say, y'all mad. In my mind, I was like, I'm not mad at Kanye. I pray that, I pray that he come to the Lord genuinely. Mm -hmm. I might be mad at you. Like, I might be a little upset at why you are stirring it this way. Um. Our discussion is trying to make the point that there's nothing wrong with wealth. Right. There's nothing, like, there's nothing wrong with riches right. in and of itself, right? Nothing wrong with celebrity. There's nothing wrong with notoriety, right. right? But assuming that that is a more powerful tool. Right to give God glory and accomplish God's will mm -hmm. is counter 
the wisdom of God that's been revealed. In other words, God has shown that he prefers to do it a different way right. deliberately. Right. Now, why is that? Our propensity is to judge by the external appearance of what is right. big and powerful and grand. Right. And we think that God judges like Same us. Way. So, right. you know, you think about David, King David, his own father did not think he was the king type. Mm -hmm. And the Bible makes clear that when Samuel saw the firstborn son, a military son, mm -hmm. that he said, surely this, this is, is the Lord's anointed. Mm -hmm. Like, how could this not be the Lord's anointed? Again, Saul, the first king of Israel, it was stated mm -hmm. that he stood head and shoulders above, right. you know? So in other words, surely. Now remember what God said to Samuel when he thought David's big brother was the king. Mm -hmm. He said, God doesn't look like man looks. Mm -hmm. Man looks at the outward. You think about the, yeah. in the New Testament, Jesus looked at people putting money right. in to the offering plate as though it were. Right. And they were putting in large sums. But w he took notice at a widow mm -hmm. who put in two mites. Right. So and he said she gave more than them. Mm -hmm. Why? Why is that? You see, mm -hmm. um, this this notion of God does it this way. I just think about this determination to welcome any weakness that permits the strength of Christ to right. shine. When Paul says in First Corinthians two, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among right. you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Why? So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, right. but in the power of God. And this goes back to what we've been saying in other episodes. And even close to those verses, I mean, Paul says, Look at your own calling. Right. Which of y'all are noble, of noble birth or of the of right. the, celebrity like, and status and none of that. Right. Not many. That was not many. Choice. So that right. means not there's many. some. Right. Right. Yeah, right. We're not we're not negating that. Right. And I think just the scripture just continues to bear it out over and over again. You said Gideon, you say David, you say not Moses in Pharaoh's house. Moses right. on the side of the mountain when he's nothing and has to even confess, like, why would you even send me? Absolutely. Like I don't speak well. I don't this. I don't. I, I'm none of that. Like you had 40 years when I was in the exalted position. Right. I was Pharaoh's son. I was in the palace. I was killing right. the game. Right. And you wait till 40 years of me outside of that in order to use me. <laughs> I wish people would believe. I wish we would believe, believe this again. Yeah. Like Deborah, the woman. Yo, using you know what something else I think it is like just in reference to how we. I don't know. I think we're so taken with. It's not just that we're taken with this worldliness because we also add this other thing. We make God pitiful. Like he's so handcuffed that even he got to use needs them. Yeah, he needs them. <laughs> they don't need him. He needs them because yeah. after all, they'll reach more. They'll, I used to hear it all the time. This idea that if Michael Jackson gets saved, <laughs> like I used to hear it all the right. time. Now, oh, yeah. if he gets oh, saved, yeah. you know how many people would get saved? Right. I was thinking about this verse in, uh, in Luke chapter 16, mm. Lazarus and the rich man, right? Yeah. So a couple of verses before Jesus actually starts breaking into the parable is interesting because you could miss it if you read past it too fast. He says, and the Pharisees who loved 
riches. Mm -hmm. I would assume riches, power. No, right. they grumbled at him because he had just already told some other parables about right. unfaithful servants and right. people not using their power rightly. Mm -hmm. And they heard this, and it says they grumbled at him. And he was like, the Pharisees who love money, like he said, y'all love to justify yourself before men. But what men exalt is mm. actually an abomination to God. Absolutely. And I think we do this all the time. Right. But in getting into the story about Lazarus, what I thought was interesting. So here you have this poor man, Lazarus, laying at the gate of this rich man. Seems like the scripture eludes the idea that he's sick. He's full of sores because even the dogs mm -hmm. come and and lick his wounds. I thought it was interesting too, just looking at the word again, you're the scholar and I'm not, but looking at the word Lazarus, I think that Lazar is like supposed to be a composite of Eleazar, which is like, Eleazar means God helped. Yeah. And so the funny part is Jesus in all his parables, I don't think he ever gave a name to a character. It was always like, just like the rich man. Oh, it's just the rich man. But Lazarus he named. Mm -hmm. And that name being God helped. I think it's evident that, you know, we're supposed to understand that this man was, even in his lowliest state, dependent on God. Mm -hmm. Dependent on God. He had nothing else. Right. Nothing else. Which is like just the way you want to be. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you understand how yep. yeah, who he who he helps and right. what it means to have his help. Right. Yeah. Now the, the rich man is aware that he's there, does nothing. Scripture says he does right. nothing to even either acknowledge right. or even do anything to help. Right. If it's evident that you are repentant or, you know, have any kind of relationship with God, that's a hard thing to do. And in that culture and context, the person who was rich was deemed to be blessed by God. Mm. And the person who was unfortunate wow. was deemed right. to be forsaken by exactly. God. So exactly. the fact that his name is God, God help, help is flipping the right. theology the of thing. the day on its head. Right. Then there's a new flip. All of a sudden, says they both <laughs> <New> die. <flip. laughs> they both die, and now their die. situations are flipped. <laughs> now the one, there's one helpless and without any right. aid, any, right. and the other one is in Abraham's bosom. Mm -hmm. And yet, even in that position, the rich man's like, now he never he's acknowledged still, him. He doesn't know it's flipped. Yeah. And he never he... acknowledged him. Now he acknowledging. Oh, oh that yeah. Lazarus? Tell him to go get some water and dip it on my tongue. Like, now he knows him. Right. Now... Like, nah. And I think Jesus also highlights something. Like, I think this is important for us. Like, this urgency we talk about in terms of being able to proclaim the gospel. Like, I hope we haven't lost the idea that this is the urgency for us all. Not yes. just for us, yeah. but for those who we're trying yes. to share yes. with. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the scripture says and opening his eyes in Haiti. Like in other mm. words, there was a moment where he was just living sumptuously and next thing you know, he's opening his eyes. To the, no preparation or new enough. reality. And not just a new one, a permanent one. Permanent one. A permanent Excellent. one. And so Excellent. now this idea goes from Abraham saying, no, I can't send them. And, and Jesus is highlighting, there's a chasm here. Right. He can't even get, there's no crossing over here. There's no permanent. All right, Abraham, well, here, do this. Send him to my father's house then, to my brothers, so he can warn them not to come here, not to come here, that they might repent. Here's that word again, yeah, repent, right, repent, right? Yes. Abraham pushes back. Nope. 
can't send them. You know why? Because there's something credible here. There's, there's one thing that's credible that they have. They have Moses and the prophets. Mm. They mm. have the word of God. He says, no, he pushes back on Abraham. No, no, no. Like, look, I mean, that's nice. And that's everything. nice. But listen, I'm telling you, they need something more than that. They're not going to listen to that. They're not going to listen to that. Right. They need something more than that. They need something more spectacular. They need something more Absolutely. like do something more. Send Michael Jackson. <laughs> Let him do a spin or something as he t- like, like something more credible. We need a more credible witness than that. Abraham says, no. He says, no, I'm telling you, if you if you send them, if you send somebody from the dead. Right. From the dead. That's and Abraham says, no, even if somebody comes from the dead, they won't believe they have the word in the prophet. So for me, this shatters this whole idea of. But if you get Kanye, if you get Michael, if you get like they'll believe. Now, again, this isn't a judgment against Michael or Kanye. Again, our hope is that they come to the Lord. Well, Michael. But this, oh yeah, Michael, right. right, right his right. fate is sealed. Right. But this whole idea that if we do something more spectacular, you can't get more spectacular than a dead man going. Right. And Abraham That's says, no, something the word in the prophet. Credible. And the truth is, a dead man was going to come back. So the one that was given the parable would. was the dead man that would resurrect. Absolutely. And people would still reject. reject. And to this day, reject. Reject the resurrected witness. And to this day, we still look for something else. The scriptures is not how you reach the culture. Deuce. Right. Preaching right. the gospel is not how you the reach the culture. The folly of what's preached. Abraham right. said, no, they're going to have those that proclaim and the words that they proclaim that are from God. They're going to have the word of God. And that's going to be it. There's not going to be nothing else. And then else. he says, and if they don't believe that, they wouldn't believe even and if that's someone. That's right. Even if someone came right, from the dead. Right. And we know that to be true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because someone did come from the dead. Absolutely. absolutely. And we don't believe. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, well, you know, it's, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's powerful. Uh, just the notion that our longing for something we think is more credible or right. more effective right. makes us overlook what God has said is right. Right. the credible right. and the effective. If we take it to the next level, that's why, CHH, we got to take it to the next level. That's why the world ain't paying attention to us. So that's why we, right. and it's all this false right. stuff built on all this mess. It's horrible. Like you said, man, this is divine perspective that we're talking about like rallying and helping each other because we all do this we all wish we had more and say if i had more then i would do Do more you know what i'm saying if i was more then i could be more like no no no. like this is divine wisdom this notion that sometimes it's in the way what do you think we see in gideon in gideon gideon already has only thirty-two thousand soldiers who are going to fight an army of believed to be over 100,000. The text says they they were like locusts. You couldn't number them. The enemy was that overwhelming. And the Bible says that he brought 32,000, which was already a, I mean, uh, an underdog, right? He didn't right? say, oh, you, they got 100,000? I'm going to give you a million. Right. That's he didn't give them think. more. Like, that's, that's how we get, but if only I had, but what does he do? He says, you have too many. 
How do you have too many? I have too few. Right. Right. But your few is not few enough. Right. You have too many for me to give them into your hand, lest you say I did, did it. it. Right. Again. And that's what people miss. Right. God is very much interested in <laughs> getting the glory. Yo. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I know. I know. I know. But look. 22,000 leave. Okay, 10,000 to over 100,000. Right. Surely that's enough for right. us to not get it twisted. Mm -hmm. He said, there's still too many. Right. And then he says, by the time he finishes, they have 300. He says, with these 300, I will deliver them. Right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea is God is known to whittle your stash till it's yeah. little and then he multiplies the little you have, yeah. right? Yeah. This is the God who waits. He takes his disciples, puts them in a boat, says go to the other side, sits on the mountaintop and waits till the wee hours of the morning watching them straining at the oars, waits until their frustration, it's become clear, all of our rowing can't get us to the other side. Mm. Then he walks on the water demonstrating that he's Lord over the circumstances that keep you hindered. I'm Lord of it shows you that he's God himself, right. the one who's calms the sea, right. the one who's over all the turbulence. Right. And then he says, peace be still. Who is this man? See, until we to it, it needs to happen in such a way that people don't say, who are you? Right. Wow. Nice job. Till they say, who is this? Right. And it's like, like you said, God wants the glory. He wants right. people to look past the vessel right. and say, who is the treasure? Again, Paul, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So it would be obvious that the power is not from us, but from God. I want to tell a story because sometimes I think people think maybe sometimes we're looking like from the outside and we don't understand. Like we uh, really don't understand yeah. what it means to yeah. have the ability to take something to the next level, right? right? right, right. So I'm, quick story, and I hope this brother wouldn't mind us telling it. One day, gonna have to tell it anyway, <laughs> some fashion, but people think sometimes because of maybe what has transpired in this new age of social media and celebrity and how easy it is to get in and out of these circles or not so easy or whatever, that when it happens, like none of that ever really maybe happened to us, right? Correct. And so I remember a time when we had gone pretty far. We had gotten to the point where we had our own deals, we had our own distribution deals, but we were still keen on encouraging each other that God's gotta do this. And we're keen on, we don't wanna take his glory or let anybody else take his glory. Mm -hmm. We believe that if he sent us on mission, he would do it. He would supply our need. Mm -hmm. And I remember we got to the point where there was times when I think I would sit in the office and just lament because it always was just like, man, it just seems like we're right at a certain thing. But if we could just maybe figure out this last little thing, maybe it was a distribution thing or maybe it was, you know, how can we really uh, get this gospel to the, in, through the pipeline? So it's this idea of maybe more. So we had connected with a, a good brother that's still a good brother to this day, a good friend of mine by the name of Derek Ferguson, CFO, oh, just, of, oh, just CFO of Bad Boy, so Puffy's right hand. Mm -hmm. And when I met him in the street, he ran up to me one time in the middle of the street at Rat Fest. It's mm -hmm. like, yo, I'm the CFO of Bad Boy. I'm Puffy's right hand. Shout out to Burt, Boca I'm Chief feeling like, yeah, shout out to Burt. I feel like I want to do something different. I feel like, 
you know, maybe what I'm contri contributing toward, there's something in my heart that's making me say, oh, maybe I want to do something different. I'm thinking about building a new company. I love to do it with y'all. So I was very skeptical because at this mm -hmm. time, you know, yeah. I don't know how to trust this world, this mm -hmm. whole bad boy world and all this. But I go to a meeting. He invites me to Puffy's Restaurant Justin's in New York. Go meet him there. As soon as he walks in, everybody's just snapping. Oh, Mr. Ferguson, Mr. Ferguson. So we sit down and talk and we get to the point. Now, I know I got to convince you. I got to talk to y'all about mm -hmm. whatever this dude wants. Mm -hmm. But he starts talking about, I want to build a new company. I think I can help. I, this is a Harvard grad. This is a very smart, intelligent dude who knows how to do a lot of stuff in business. And uh, mm -hmm. he says, I think I can help. And the first, on the first meeting, I said, listen, maybe there's something we could do. And this was crazy, and even when I think about it. But you're going to have to probably leave Puffy if we're going to do something together. Because yeah. at the time, and again, this isn't a judgment on Puffy's heart, but right. what Puffy was contributing to, one, was not something that we could lock arms with. Right. Like, I don't care how much he right. had, right? right? We just felt like God would be upset. Right. And the second part we always said was, God was doing it up until then. And we weren't going to stop believing now to believe that he had to use Puffy in order to. P. Diddy. Right. <laughs> and so we set mm -hmm. out on a plan. Derek said, you know, at some point, you know, maybe I'll have to find an exit. But, you know, I got a lot of this man's stuff in my hands and I don't want to be irresponsible right. with it. We'll see. Right. So long story short, just to bring it all the way forward. We were moving along. Derek showed us a lot, too. He showed us how to jump on tour buses and how to make that work for the economy that we were in and how to right. make that beneficial to the ministry. Absolutely. I feel, to this day, I thank him for a lot of great right. practical wisdom he gave. Right. But there came a day when he called and said, and this is when it started. It was going good. He, we were enjoying his, his help. He said, Wells, I talked to Puff, mm -hmm. and he's with it. He's with it to help. Now, mind you, mm -hmm. this, this is like millions of dollars on the table, millions of dollars of things that would help us in so many ways. We began to expand. We started like, and this is even before, like I think we signed Cray and Flame and all of them, like it's right before that, because we even taken them on the mm -hmm. Platinum Tour. Everybody just remembers mm -hmm. the Platinum Tour. Derek Ferguson mm -hmm. was responsible for helping us with that. Yep. And I remember saying, oh no, mm. I'm afraid that everybody's gotten used to this. And nobody's going to, everybody's going to be like, how can we turn this down? This is the help Christian hip hop has been waiting for. And I remember coming in to the six or seven of y'all and we sat down and we talked about it. And with, to a man, everybody was like, we can't do it. It was heartbreaking, but we can't do it. We got to walk away. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and the crazy thing is, there was no fights in our camp. There was no, like, nobody like rebelled, like, nah, man, you ain't gonna let me lose my chance. Mm -hmm. Everybody believed that God had set us on a mission together and that he was gonna supply all I need. And we did the craziest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. We walked away from Sean one of the greatest Puffy opportunities Combs. of all time. Right. <laughs> Dudes talk about, I guess, what goes on today and who you can link with and who you can, if I could only link with if it was only, that was, that was it to me. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, at the end of the day, 
people laud on us a lot of honor and a lot of praise for what God did in our era and maybe even what he's doing now. And the truth is, that's when it really was crazy. That's when like all of a sudden we was able to bring everybody. We got our own deal with Sony after that. We toured like crazy after that. I mean, it was like everything else kind of really fit in place after that. It was mm -hmm. like God was willing. That was the other thing. We used to feel God's good pleasure. Like when we trust him, not because we were so great, right. but because I think he backs his principles. Like mm -hmm. I am looking to get the glory. Y'all willing to give me the glory, mm -hmm. then y'all can ride with me. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm going to do it like you never even met. Right. That's when all of a sudden the stuff we never even cared about right. and still didn't. Oh, Grammy this and this and that. And all, like, and so anyway, there's, a t there's tons of other stories like that that people don't no. know. So when they think we don't, like we're just talking from a side that we ain't never been tempted in this way or we don't understand, they don't understand. What, what would you say, what contributed how did you get there? Would you say just from reading scripture, being discipled and walking with the Lord brought you to these convictions? I think that brought me to the, I think the Lord used scripture right. mm -hmm. like and set principles. Mm -hmm. um, I told you watching how he dealt with Abraham, but I think the community we had, right. just the fact that right. we supported one another and rode, it was ride or die. Like, I mean, those were trembling meetings. I'm thinking like, oh, it's a wrap. That, this ain't good. But, Everybody locked arms and we marched forward together. At the end of the day, we were content with riding with the Lord and whatever and however he wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just saying that's still possible. Mm -hmm. I long to see Would people you younger than us still trusting God that way. So how do you convince someone that this is not saying everyone has to do it like us? So there's a, yeah. there, there, it's delineating, right. it's delineating like just one's perspective or conviction on leaning on the world, right. leaning on worldly strength, worldly wisdom. Right. There's that. Right. But then there's some people who don't, they don't believe that that's what they're doing. Um, and they're wondering, that, does that mean that they have to be like, you know, like basically exactly like us? No. So I was saying, say we that? always say no. We're no cookie cutter thing. And we've never said be cookie cutter like us. I think we share our example because I think we should. I think right. we're testifying to what the Lord did. Mm -hmm. You know, it's to his glory. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I do think, I do think there's a doing God's will, God's way. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing. I think that's mm -hmm. a Bible thing. Mm -hmm. Like, no, no so question. I think sometimes when I hear those Facts. questions from people, I think sometimes they may not understand that. Like right. somehow they haven't looked in the scriptures and saw it wasn't just God's will our way. It's God's will, his way. And the, our way is the way of the world. Right. We are part of the world and we all instinctively, again, it was reflex for Peter to rebuke Jesus and say, how dare you talk about dying? Right. You're a Messiah. Right. I just told you that. <laughs> I just told you you're a Messiah. Right. And then Jesus had to say, get thee behind me. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things, things of men. Me. He said, get thee behind me, Satan, you think like man, right. man and Satan think in accord, right. and that's in distinction to God. Right. And so there's a way that mankind just naturally thinks. Right. Peter meant well. Right. He meant well on the Mount of Transfiguration right. when Jesus was beaming. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, he said, "Hey, it's good for us to be here. We can build three shelters, Stay and we can here. park right here, right. and we can enjoy all this glory that because right. you shining, we're caught up in it. We're scared because this seems awesome, right. but." 
let us build the booths mm -hmm. so that you can enjoy this. You deserve all this shine, Lord Jesus. And then the voice said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And then Jesus was there and they went down the mountain and he right. headed toward Calvary. Right. Uh, again, there is a way that we think. Again, we go back to Samuel. Surely this is the way of the Lord. That's the Lord's anointed. That's the way we think. Right. Um, we think that God, like, it's just, it's the human way. So it's not even always, like, you know, you don't, you're not, you're not, you don't mean harm often. Right. Right. And that's what we're trying to help people to understand that we don't advocate this right. because we're being super spiritual right. or we don't understand what it's like to want advantage and want leverage, right. uh, use any leverage. Paul said, I, I'll all by all possible means. Right. It's just that the scriptures teach you, teaches us the heart of God and the way of God right. doing God's work, God's way and his way is to lean on things that he's already put his stamp of approval on. Right. He's put his stamp of approval on the gospel, which says it is through death that God brings life. It is through going low, kenosis, Philippians 2. It is through going low and becoming a servant of all that, that what God exalts. He gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, you know. It's through the church, which is the often the feeble and the rejected and the, like, the, the people of God that don't look like much, that God is, again, chosen to indwell and make his temple. We are his temple. Um, and people just understand that our seeking for someone who has more and someone who is more is that natural inclination. And God says, haven't you learned that I like to bring my people down? In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Paul says, I pray, get rid of this thorn. If you get rid of this thorn that you gave me, Sometimes then I, I can jump, I could, I could be more effective if you just get right. rid of the things that limit me. Right. And he said, no, my right. grace is sufficient mm -hmm. in your, like, when in you're your weak, weakness. Right. my strength is perfected or right. demonstrated to be. Right. That's a whole nother, right. that's a whole, yeah. and we have to, we have to submit to that. Like, right. God has shown us his thing ain't like everybody. Like, right. I think, I, my ways are not like yours. Right. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, he lost it again. Again, I'm old. I'm <laughs> Uncle Johnny. I'm old. Um, oh, I think another thing that was a strength for us in talking about that community we had, we made up in our minds early what we were getting into music for. We wasn't getting into music to become superstars and to right. see how high we right. could go. Right. We, were, we had one function and one purpose. We were going to deliver the gospel and glorify God. That's right. what we were there for. Right. And we said, let's decide this now, like they right. did. Again, so that once they got drugged to. off to Babylon, like, and now they're confronted with all these different things, they had already made up in their mind. We, right. We're not going to be, we're not going to defile right. ourselves. Right. right? And I think that's something that helped us a lot. So before you get flown to the guy's island who owns the whole island and, you know, all I these other that. things, even though he's not, I he's not, that. he wasn't bad. He wasn't no, evil. No. It was just his right. ideas were not conducive to what God has set us on mission for. Right. But we knew that already. See, right. and that's the difference when you make you start making those decisions before you get caught up in all the temptation that comes. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So Excellent. again, I don't think that makes us supermen right. or like, yeah, we're so great. I think all in all the testimony is God did it and we only did that by the Spirit of God. Like I don't think you walk away from that kind of stuff without the strength right. and the spirit of God. Right. But right. all in all, God is faithful, man, and uh so here we sit and telling these stories as a result of, you know, what he did. So. Mm, mm. 
you know, as we sort of wind it up, yep. you know, recently um, when Nipsey Hussle, the rapper from, you know, L.A. was murdered, you know, I was surprised that he had w won the hearts of so many. Mm -hmm. Now, he won the hearts of so many um, for good cause because there were many things that he did that are heartwarming. Mm -hmm. um, but what I couldn't help but notice was that Christians went another step. They went beyond just um, appreciating what's appreciatable. It's almost like they displayed an affection for him that they withhold from other lesser figures, hmm. that they have more knowledge of and more, I believe, responsibility to. Um, it's, it's as though one famous Christian rapper called him Yahweh's child. Like basically he just assumed he's Yahweh's child. Hmm. Um, and he began to esteem him and lavish. And a couple preachers, one popular preacher in Atlanta had a series, The God of Abraham. It says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, I think Paul, and Nipsey, something. Hmm. Like he began to be brought, like made, and again, it's almost like people gave him saintly status uh, instantly when there was no evidence that um, the Lordship of Jesus Christ had been embraced. There just were many commendable things. And yet the same people who esteemed him did videos and, um, you know, did all kinds of articles and you know, used him as their photos to be able to say other things. Um, I kept thinking about the, the, dis, um, the disjointed and the, the sort of the fractured state of the Christian hip hop movement around which ideology or which philosophy you believe God is calling you to, right? right? right. So um, right now there are people who would say, you know, I don't like, like, I appreciate you, Tonic, if that's the way you do it. Or I appreciate the, the, the era when many were doing it that way. Mm -hmm. It's no longer that way primarily. Mm -hmm. Like that's the, 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 the culture has shifted, the times have shifted. And even the people who used to, you know, be marked by that way have shifted by their own um, choice and their own admission. But now that it's shifted, the community and the affections seem to have shifted too. Mm. So that I think to, and I know we've already hit them with a lot, but I think about what Paul says to the church at Philippi. He says, I thank God when I remember you because of your koinonia in the gospel. Mm -hmm. He says, we share the gospel. I'm thanking God when I think of you because we share more than the other things that are commendable because we share the gospel together. Then in verse seven, he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you because I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus because you were with me standing during my defense and confirmation of the gospel. And all throughout the letter, he says, it is this, like, this love for the gospel 
that makes you special to me because we share the thing that means the most to me. And that is the advance of the gospel means more to me than my own, again, mm -hmm. earthly comfort. Mm -hmm. He says in verse 12, he says, listen, I've been looking around. I want to let you know that what has happened to me in terms of his, him being in prison, he said, has benefited the advance of the gospel. Therefore, I rejoice. Mm -hmm. He says, some people even mock me and want to like, they know that if they can, they can trouble me. He says, but they use actually the real gospel trying to, to, to trouble me in that I rejoice when the real gospel is trying, when they try to use the real gospel as a way to afflict me. Mm. He said, I'd rather be with Jesus because that's better for me, but for your joy and progress in the faith, I'll remain mm. because it's about the advance of the gospel and its fruit that I really sort of um, thrive off of. Mm. And then he shows you about four examples himself with his chains and Epaphras, a guy by the name of Epaphras uh, or Epaphrodites, um, Ditus, um, who uh, was sick. He says he almost lost his life for the sake of this gospel. Timothy, he says, Timothy, I don't even have people like Timothy uh, because Timothy cares about the interests of Christ, but other people care about their own interests. Um, and then the Lord Jesus in chapter two uh, cared about the glory of God and the impact of the gospel on those he's he was redeeming um, all of this is to say um, sometimes I confess I do wrestle with sadness that it feels like having the gospel in common does not create the affection in people hmm. for people who are like that usually it's based on their Instagram pages based on their Facebooks, based on what they tweet about. If they share affection, also with the one they're sharing affection about primarily, not always, but not exclusively, primarily, is some celebrity status that goes with them. Like, oh, that's why you seem to have affection. Because not even when it is a person who you could probably say, well, this person in the gospel, right. yes, but that person in the gospel, and they have that, like that, that, that celebrity or that power or they seem advantageous for your ministry. All the other people are not worth much mentioning, mm. not worth much like a, like blaring and the affection for. Um, so all of this tied back, as we've been saying, goes back to worldliness is this fawning deference to the world. Those that would gladly leave the Lord Jesus out trying to snuggle up with them because we believe that the world, which is called many things in the Bible, the broad road, you know, mm -hmm. the, the scholars of the age, mm -hmm. you know, um, the powerful, the rich, uh, the world, we think they have what we want. And if we're friends with them, we'll have what, what they, they have. have. Yeah. And so we do it. We become friends with them. And that puts a separation between us and people who don't have it. Here, come sit at my feet or excuse me, I disregard you. Um, and we're just praying that the Lord will revive our affections for being um, people who don't look to the world and what the world has in order to define ourselves or evaluate ourselves. Mm -hmm but to let him define us, let him ev his evaluation of us stand. Like you mm -hmm. said, what is esteemed among men 
is often an abomination to God. Mm -hmm. And so we want, we are those who God has put his seal on and his pleasure. We're certainly not perfect mm -hmm. and we certainly have fallen and we certainly have enough warts and enough blemishes. Like I understand it when people say, that's why I don't mess with the church yeah, yeah, because yeah. we have enough that would make a person say that. Yep. But as for the church and people within it, uh, may we love one another because that's the primary apologetic, the primary apologetic. Forget the benediction on this one. Let's, let's pray, man. Excellent. Yeah. Father, we, we thank you for this opportunity to talk and even talk in the presence and within the hearing of others. Uh, Lord, um, help us. This is, this is difficult stuff, Lord. This is beyond our ability to communicate properly. And like Du said, we have warts. We are, um, we are uh, fallible. We have made many, many mistakes. As much as we tell these stories of success and what you've done and all this high stuff that people uh, praise us for, we've made tons and tons of critical critical mistakes, Lord. And we're, we're thankful that, again, you, you cover a multitude of sins, Lord. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. Um, again, help us. Um, do what our words can't, Lord. Uh, we pray that by your spirit, um, many would hear this and many would repent of the sin that we're all um, susceptible to. We're all tempted by worldliness, Lord. But worldliness uh, takes away from your glory, Lord. It, it actually puts us in a position of um, idolatry, Lord, where we believe in someone else or something else that's going to uh, help us achieve, uh, achieve the ultimate, to achieve our dreams or to mm -hmm. achieve what we think uh, you're after, what right. you want in our right. lives, Lord. Right. So right. again, um, help us, Lord, to turn from that as a people, Lord, especially the culture that uh, we speak to, Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, we know, we've known and seen what you've done, great things over the years, Lord, all around the world. You've made use of a tool as despised as hip hop and a people as despised as hip hoppers, Lord, and use them to uh, proclaim your gospel, which was actually perfectly fit into hip hop's tenet, which is mm -hmm. to speak the abundance of your heart and not to be ashamed about it, but to stand behind it, Lord. And that's what we say uh, that we do. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So uh, let us continue to make that known, Lord. Stir us back up again. Let that be paramount. Let that be of first importance uh, to us and whatever our endeavors are, Lord. Yeah. So we pray that you would have your way. Your will be done. Uh, your way, Lord. We thank you for this episode. Uh, again, get much fruit out of it, and we look forward to, to the next one. Again, hide us behind your cross, mm -hmm. and uh, let our words be, uh, be sweet and be entreated uh, by many as words of encouragement, and not uh, words of scorn or, or words that would push away, but words that would draw people closer. And let us enjoy sweet corny and fellowship with one another, Lord both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah.